God's Word, I just want to try something a little bit different today. We, we talk as a staff and as elders, and we've noticed something peculiar uh, over the last few weeks. Something good, right? That we, we, I finished reading Scripture, and there are a few whispers out in the crowd that say, thanks be to God. Well, let's just make that a thing then, right? So all of us can say the same thing. So I will read the Scripture, and I will say, so far, the reading of God's Word. And then is your cue, right, to say, thanks. Good, you're fast learners. Good job. Let's rise and read God's Word together. From Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all of his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. So far the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of the Lord will stand firm and true forever and ever. Holy Spirit, take these words to the hearts and the souls and the lives of those gathered here. Mold them, shape them into men and women, boys and girls, who love you each and every day. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, who lives forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever felt abandoned? This is a tremendous fear for some of us. This is a reality for many of us. The idea of being abandoned or alone, unfortunately, too many of us often feel this way. Perhaps some even now, here in this room, today. We feel cut off from the things of life. 
the things that provide us with sustenance and nourishment, familiarity and comfort. We feel cut off from the rest of the world, almost kind of like someone that's holding a balloon and we're the balloon on the end of a long string and we somehow just can't connect with the one that's holding us. Or maybe as some kind of satellite disconnected from the earth and we're floating around in orbit and we just can't find ourselves or the rest of the earth. Perhaps at work we're not listened to. Our abilities and our talents are taken for granted. Maybe even ignored. Perhaps we feel abandoned and lonely as we take on new stages of life. We're not sure how to take the next steps. And we're afraid, actually. We're afraid of what that looks like and what it means. How do we do it? We've never done it before. I'm alone. Perhaps we're getting older and the reality of a failing body is terrifying. And we're not sure if anybody really understands. We're not connected. We struggle. And in that struggle and in that fear is a terrifyingly lonely place to be. Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever felt alone? This is a common everyday experience for God's people. It's a common experience for many of us, like I've said, here, now, today. Even David, the author of the psalm that we just read, Psalm 10, felt abandoned, felt alone. You see, the Psalms of Lament and the Book of Lamentations then seeks to provide us an opportunity and the freedom to ask the hard questions of God when we feel abandoned, when we feel alone, that there's nobody for us. We're somehow off in space, tethered at the end of a rope, floating around. It gives us the ability and the freedom to ask the hard questions, not only of ourselves, not only of each other, but to ask the hard questions to God. Some of us this morning need to know that it's okay to ask hard questions of God. Some of us need the freedom to ask the hard questions of God. Hear me say this morning, you have the freedom and the ability to ask hard questions. Not only of me and each other, but to God Himself. You see, what we read here in the very first verse of Psalm 10, the psalmist is angry. He's terrified. He's frustrated. He's impatient. And he feels all alone. And he asks hard questions of God. And he's not afraid to do so. Verse 1, the first word. Why? Why are you here? Why are you not here, God? I'm here, but it seems like you're not. Do we find out that this is the way that we often speak to God? I purposely was loud. (laughs) Because we don't like to think that it's okay to talk to God like that. I can't talk to God in a loud voice. 
It's disrespectful. It's not honoring. And yet here the psalmist is doing just that. Why? Where are you? Why are you not here? Why do you stand far away? All this stuff is happening. Where are you? I'm over here. And it sure seems like, God, you don't care. You're not doing anything about the struggles in our lives. It's very clear what's happening in my life and the lives of my friends, but Lord, you are far away. Why? Why are you far off? But then David begins to explore his frustrations a little bit further, doesn't he? He isn't just frustrated and angry, but he actually feels abandoned by God. He feels alone in his struggle against justice and righteousness. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt abandoned? Do you know what it's like to sweat in heavy labor or athletic activities? Some of us yesterday and in the weeks past have had the opportunity to sweat in heavy labor as we laid sod in the Waddell's yard or tilled up dusty backyards or perhaps we dug our own gardens or perhaps we ran five or six miles over the last couple of days. Do you know what it's like to sweat in heavy labor? Here the psalmist is saying the very same thing. He said that the wicked hotly pursue the poor. What does that mean? They're not just walking after them, but they are as if they're laying sod for four hours, sweating, exhausting, hotly pursuing the poor, going after them. The psalmist's frustration lies in sweat, in dust, for it seems as if the wicked prosper. And not only do they pursue the poor, but their labor after the poor causes them to be labored and exhausted. And David cries out again, Why? Where are you, O Lord? Do you not remember the poor? Do you not remember the afflicted? Where are you? Have you ever felt abandoned or alone? Perhaps our abandonment and feeling of alone is not in work or in stages of life or in getting older, but in real relationships. One of the joys I have of being your pastor is I get to hear your stories. Week in and week out, I hear your stories. Some of you have told me stories that you have told no one else. I know the stories of what it feels like to be abandoned, to be alone. I know the stories where marriages feel separated, where children feel separated or even in our own homes we're on our own tether 
and we're alone. But in that struggle, there's also joy. There's joy in that I hear these stories. But can I tell you a secret? (laughs) It's in that struggle where God tends to do His greatest work. It's in that moment when we are tired and frustrated and angry, yes, even, that God tends to show up in ways that we pay attention to. It's in the wilderness where God does His greatest work. The Lord is at work when we're at our lowest points. When we feel alone, when we feel abandoned, the Lord is at work. And so when we feel abandoned, when we feel alone, it is okay and it is good and it is right to ask the hard questions of God. Where are you in my struggle? Where are you in the struggles of my family? It sure seems like you're far off, God. Where are you? What are you doing here? It seems like every other marriage is doing really well, but not mine. It seems like every other family is doing really well, but not mine. Where are you? Why are you far off? This is what Psalm 10 does, isn't it? This is what lamentation does. It gives us the tools. It gives us the freedom to ask the hard questions. These Scriptures give us the freedom to express our faith to the Lord. One pastor I heard talking on this particular psalm says that when we call or when we express the hard questions, when we ask the hard questions, we're actually living out our faith. Because it's God who we're putting our trust in. This is what David here is doing. God, where are you? You you see everything. You've promised to be near, but it seems like you're far off. David is falling onto his faith in the Lord to say, God, where are you? Fulfill your promises. And so when we cry out to God and we ask the hard questions, we're falling on our faith. We're falling on the faith of our Lord. He also went on to say that when we call God to action, we are expressing our deepest hope. Knowing that I don't have the power to change my jobs necessarily in that way. I don't have the ultimate power to change the heart of my spouse or my children or my parents. But only God, you can do that. So my hope is not in myself or even in my spouse or my kids or my parents, but my hope, my ultimate hope and my my largest hope is in God himself. So why, God, are you far off? Do you hear the psalmist? Why are you far away? It's okay to ask the hard questions. For it's in the wilderness where God is at work. For as we see in the history of God's people, even in the time of the liberation from Egypt, the the, the keynote event in the Old Testament of God's people being taken from bondage, taken from slavery and into a promised land, where does God take them? Does He take them immediately to the promised land? Here, from slavery to, to to the land? No, where does He take them? He takes them to the wilderness. To a place where they will ultimately know that He is their provider. 
He is the one that sustains them. Have you eaten the same meal two days in a row in your life? Have you had like on Thanksgiving, maybe is when we do that, we cut turkey on Thanksgiving and then Friday and Saturday we have turkey sandwiches. Come about Sunday after Thanksgiving, you're pretty tired of turkey sandwiches. Now imagine that you are an Israelite coming out of Egypt. And for 40 years, you have the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Why did God do that? To punish them? There was nothing else to eat in the wilderness. But God is at work to show them His covenant faithfulness to them. And boy, did they complain and complain and complain. And yet God provided and provided and provided. Every day He gave more food. Every day He gave more faithfulness, more compassion. And we wonder if it's alright to ask the hard questions. Can I ask you a question this morning? Which one of these is more real? A family you know in church, a Christian family, you know that one family that has everything together, right? Their marriage is wonderful. They never argue or fight. They speak kind, loving words to each other all the time. They have no financial troubles. The bills are already paid and they have tens of thousands of dollars in the retirement fund. Their 401ks are, are fat. Their children are all state athletes and musicians. Oh yeah, and they all love Jesus perfectly. We know that family, right? Or at least we think we know that family. That's what they say on Facebook anyway. Or a family that is newly into this Christian life expects to have their life to look like that veneer. Right? They became Christians. And, and now they expect for their marriage to be perfect. For their kids to be perfect. For their finances to be fat. Yet, they feel alone in their marriage. Maybe some bills are paid. Others are not. They don't have much of a relationship with their children. Their children struggle through school and with friends. They're not all state anything. Which is more real? Our lives are far more like the second family, aren't they? This is why we have Psalm 10. This is why we have lamentations. This is why the Lord gives us these scriptures. Because this is real life. It gives us the tools, as I've said a number of times, last week and this week. It gives us the right tools at the right time. In the moments of chaos, to scream, and I won't scream this time, 
Why? Why are you far off, God? Why are you so far away? It gives us the freedom to ask hard questions. But then when we ask the hard questions, He gives us more clarity, doesn't He? Isn't this the path of Psalm 10? David asks a hard question. Why are you so far off in verse 1? And then verses 2-11, to he lays out the clarity of what he sees. This is what I see, God. As I ask you hard questions, the more I begin to see. He asks the hard questions of God. And then he understands a bit more. St. Augustine says this so many years, said this a, many, a number of years ago. He says these words. The deeper our faith, the stronger our hope, the greater our desire, the larger will be our capacity to receive the gift, which is very great indeed. The more fervent the desire, the more worthy will be its fruits. Augustine realized that the more we pursue the Lord, the more we ask the hard questions, the more we lay into our faith, the more we do these things, the more He shows up. The more He reveals to us, the more He shows us, the more compassion He gives us, the more, the, the more grace He gives us. Our, our pursuit does not always... Excuse me, I lost... Our pursuit of the Lord does not always mean that everything is great, though, does it? For the psalmist, he is utterly alone, and yet he continues to pursue the Lord. Even in his struggle, he pursues the Lord with hard questions. As he pursues the things of the Lord, the things of the world grow strangely dim, and yet they become that much more clear to him. Do we see that in these verses? So hard questions then lead to clearer understanding of ourselves and of the world. What do I mean by that? The consequences of the wicked become more clear. Or the actions, maybe I should put it that way, the actions of the wicked become more clear. He realizes the folly of the wicked and then allows him to see the faithfulness of the Lord to himself. David sees that behind the veil of wickedness, this person, this evildoer, is actually longing for the Lord. For it is the wicked that is truly alone. The one who in verse 4 says that there is no God. The person that David's talking about is a murderous atheist. There's no God. And I don't care about anybody else other than myself. He sits in the darkness like a lion in his thicket to devour, to destroy, waiting for his prey. What is plainly clear to the psalmist is the tragedy of the poor and the outcast. That comes across very clearly. Why does the Lord allow such horror take place? Why does He allow the oppressor to treat the poor this way? Why does He allow the wicked to treat the outcast this way? Why does He allow the, the poor to continue in, 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 in their status? For the psalmist, He seeks justice for these people, and yet injustice reigns supreme. It reigns supreme to those around Him, 
And it's breaking his heart. It's, it's breaking his soul. It causes him to cry out to the Lord and ask the hard questions. Once again, as he looks around his world and he sees his city, he sees his people, he sees the poor, the outcast being trodden upon. He says, God, why do you let this happen? Why do you remain far off? It seems to me, however, that what becomes even more clear is not so much the consequences of the wicked, but rather that the psalmist cries out to the Lord in the realization and the awareness of the outcast and of the poor. As David leans into the Lord, the Lord shows him the injustices. He, the Lord shows David the poverty. The Lord shows the way that people are being treated in clear and right ways. So as we lean into our faith, the things that the world tell us are great and wonderful are actually not. And here David is saying, he, he sees with clear vision, clear eyes, this is what happens to the poor in my city. Lord, why do you let this happen? And so as we ask hard questions, it may not necessarily be that the answers become clear, but the Lord shows us His ways and He shows us the, 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 the status of other people. It sh- he shows us their hurts, their sorrows, their pains. And we ask, why? Why are you far off? And so David begins to see the tears and the terror of the poor and the outcast. And he begins to see what they go through each and every day. And so the psalmist continues to ask the Lord for action. And he sees the Lord coming to action. Therefore, as we cry out to the Lord, not only are we placing our hope and our faith in the Lord, but we are experiencing the knowledge of what the Lord sees. For the Lord does see all, as the psalmist tells us. The Lord does know the trials of the people, and this is why the psalmist cries out. For the Lord reveals the trials to David, and David calls the Lord to action. Lord, do something. Do we see that then in verse 12? In the, conclusion, in the concluding verses of the psalm, the psalmist cries out, and, he, and the laments become even more blunt and more poignant. So he starts out the the, the psalm with asking the question, why? Why are you so far off? And then he begins to see all those things around him. The horror and the tragedy of the poor and the afflicted and the outcast. And then he cries out again to the Lord, Arise! Do something! Do anything! Actually break their arm. Now he's not actually saying go and break their arms, is he? That saying is break their power. Break this pattern. The psalmist pleads with the Lord, Lord, you see all of this, for you see everything. I know you see everything that I just laid out for you. This is not a surprise to you, Lord. Break their power. Break their arm. Break the stronghold of injustice. Break the stronghold of the wicked over the poor and the outcast. This is what David is pleading for. Why is this happening? And I'm all alone. And so are they. So what is the psalmist actually doing here? He's calling the Lord to action. 
And again, when we call to the Lord to action, we're, we're not demanding Him any more than what He's already promised to do. When we call the Lord to action, we call Him to be faithful to His promises. This is what a holy lament is. Not to lament in our own misery, our own sorrow, or even the misery and sorrow of others, but a holy lament is to turn our gaze back to the Lord. We can see what's happening around us, even in our own lives. But a lament is turning our faith and our hope back to the Lord, calling the Lord to do something, calling the Lord to action based upon the promises that He's already given to us. The prophet Isaiah shows us how to do this really well. He calls the Lord in a similar way. He says to the Lord, Look down from heaven and see, from your holy and beautiful habitation, where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our Father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held position, possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down our sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. Isaiah is saying, God, be faithful to your promises to your people. The godly are to cry out. And the, God, the, the cry of the godly is not an unfamiliar thing to the Lord. The cry of the godly is what the Lord desires, actually. For He longs to hear our praises, but He also longs to hear our cries and our sorrows and our questions. And He is a God of faithfulness. Again, Isaiah from chapter 41, He says to the Lord, So do not, do not fear, for I am with you. These are the promises of the Lord, excuse me. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so what David is, David is saying, Lord, do that. Do that, what you just promised. Be our stronghold. This is what Isaiah is saying also. Lord, be our stronghold. Do not forsake us. Do not let me be alone. Do not abandon me. Be my tower. Be my stronghold. May we know your presence. In Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. David is saying, Lord, do that. Do that too. Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do you know abandonment? Oh Lord, do that. Do not let the fires burn me. Do not let the waters of life overtake me. Lord, be that. Do that for me. This is what Isaiah does. This is what Moses does. This is what David does. They cry out to the Lord to fulfill His promises in the time of abandonment and loneliness and hurt and sorrow. So if you were here this morning and you know what it means to be alone, perhaps even now, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. You have promised you will never leave me or forsake me. 
do that, Lord. Do you know what it means to be alone and abandoned? Pray Psalm 10. Ask the hard questions. Call the Lord to action. Call Him to your side. Call Him to your aid. David called the Lord to do something, didn't he? He called the Lord to arise. Arise off of your throne, Lord, and come to our aid. Lift up your hand and break the wicked. The Lord Jesus left the throne. He rose from the throne and He took on flesh. He came and He lived and He died. And He was high and lifted up on a tree in a death that was deserved for you and me. He lived the land, he lived the life in the sweat and the dirt of a Jewish carpentry shop, carpentry shop. He pursued the outcasts and the poor. He labored after the one sheep and left the ninety-nine. He healed the sick and the lame. He cast out demons and befriended the unfriendable. He pursued you from the eternity of heaven to your life here today. You see the Lord did take action. And He does take action. He heard the cries of David. He heard the cries of Isaiah. He heard the cries of Moses. And He hears your cries too. And now, where do we turn our faith? Where do we turn our hope? We turn that to a risen Savior. The One who took our death and took our burial and now lives and reigns. He took action and He broke the wicked. He broke their power as He broke death. And He rose on Easter morning. And He lives today to continually show the wicked that they have no power. Have you ever been abandoned or alone? Cry out to the Lord. Let Him hear your sorrow. Let Him hear your struggle. Ask the hard questions. And see the clarity of grace as it's given to you in Jesus Christ. For just as he answered the prophet, and just as he answered the king, so he answers you. And he does that through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. For Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you to the very end of the age. You are not alone. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank You for Your presence with us. Holy Spirit, thank You for Your presence with us. May this day, may we know that presence well. And as we now come to Your table, may we be drawn into Your presence by Your grace and by Your mercy. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.